Well, we are really grateful for Jamie Hubbard and all she does with Team WOG. And uh, yesterday we had our uh, ice skating event for Team WOG. It was a lot of fun. Um, I had one of uh, church members say, uh, give the people what they came for. Go ahead and fall. Um, you know, um, I didn't fall, uh, but we had a blast. And it's always interesting when we do things like that as a church. And, and I appreciate, and I heard some of the other pastors talk about, and we appreciate the fact that people's hearts are grateful for the fact that they were able to do that and bring out their families. And I had a lot of people come up to me and say, thank you, thank you for doing this, thank you for doing this. And some of the other pastors said they had people coming up to them and saying, thank you for doing this. Listen, guys, um, I, I don't want to take any of that because that was all Jamie Hubbard and her team. So thank you, Jamie, and your team. So I appreciate you uh, uh, thanking me. Um, but man, I want to make sure that, uh, that, that we give honor where honor is due because Jamie is just a, such a blessing to our church. She runs Team WOG, and she's also our financial secretary. So if you didn't know that, if you ever had any questions about finances or anything like that, she is just amazing. And she is a blessing to our church, and we're so blessed to be able to have her as a part of our team. So thanks, Jamie, and thanks to your team for an incredible, fun fellowship uh, day yesterday. Uh, we had a blast. We've been going through the real God over these past eight weeks, and we're wrapping it up today as we're talking about the faithfulness of God. And so those of you that are in community groups, a lot of you will be wrapping up this uh, week with your community group. Some of you may go on a little longer because I know some of you missed due to weather or other reasons. But we've learned a lot throughout this series. And my hope and prayer is that as we have gone through this series as a church, that you've learned more about God than what you knew before. And also that a hunger and a passion has been stirred in you to know the real God and not just know the idea about God God that maybe you've fallen in love with, but rather to know the God that Scripture says that He is. Amen? Because it's not just about what tradition has told me. It's not just about what my family has told me or about what my lenses that I look at through the world tell me based on my experiences. It's what does Scripture ultimately say about God. So that way I'm not creating my own image of God, but rather I'm serving God because this is who He says He is and what He's about and what He values. And so today we're going to talk about the faithfulness of God. And as we learn about these different attributes of God, understand this, that God's acts are consistent with his attributes. So all these wonderful things that we've learned about God are not just things that are uh, defining God and things that he is about, but rather also things that he actually does. As we've learned about his goodness, he is not just good, he does good things. As we've learned about his sovereignty, as we've learned about his holiness, as we've learned about his justice, and we've learned about his wisdom and his love, these aren't just attributes describing who God is, but they also describe what God does. And just as we sing about and describe the faithfulness of God, he not only is faithful, but he shows us his faithfulness in our everyday lives. Because it truly is the faithfulness of God that keeps us going, that keeps us uh, able to exist in our everyday lives. The very creation that we get to enjoy is a result of God's faithfulness because He sustains us by His faithfulness. And faithfulness doesn't necessarily mean that God is going to conform to our will and our desire and our wishes and do everything that we want Him to do when we want Him to do it. 
There's not some magical formula that we can somehow manipulate God to get him to do what we want him to do and how we want him to do it because we've learned all these other things about God and God is for God and he is for his glory. And we want to make sure that we understand that God is not a, a being that we can somehow manipulate or control to serve our will, but rather it's us saying, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Amen, church? We need to have this understanding of who God is. Otherwise, we're going to get bitter and angry at God, and we're going to want nothing to do with him because he didn't do things the way we wanted him to do it when we wanted him to do it. Because if we think, well, if God is good, then why do bad things happen? Or if God is good, how come I have to deal with this issue or this issue? And we think that God has to conform to our will and our definition of what good is. But God is seeing from an eternity view that you and I don't even comprehend or we don't understand. So we have to let God define God instead of us trying to define him. And so if he says he is faithful, then he is indeed faithful. Today we sang the song at the beginning of the service about how uh, God was faithful and he was never going to let go through calm and storm. And it's an older song that maybe you've heard once or twice. It's one of those Christian songs that when it gets popular and the Christian radio station picks it up, they like wear it out. And that's why when you can sing along to maybe some of those songs, if you've listened to Christian radio years ago, you probably would have heard that one over and over and over again. And the time that that song came out, it was one of those highly repeated songs on Christian radio. And during that time was when our, my wife and I had uh, our daughters, and they were born. And those of you that know a little bit more about the story would know that uh, the twin girls that were born, one of them was healthy. And one of them was very sick and ended up being metaflighted, uh, emergency flight out to Children's Hospital in Arkansas, where we lived at the time. And uh, the doctor said that she died seven times on the helicopter and had all these complications and issues. And when I, we arrived at the hospital, I was fearing for the worst, but still trying to trust God through all of those challenges. And that song was playing on the radio. And that song became kind of an anthem through that whole difficult time in our lives where we were saying, God, you, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. In other words, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you because at the time we were trying to plant a church and it wasn't going according to our plan. I was trying to start a business to help feed my family. That wasn't going according to plan. And then here we have these two girls, one healthy and then one sick, and that definitely was not the plan. And that wasn't the way we wanted things to be. And so we said, God, we, we need to reaffirm our trust in you throughout the storm that we're going through. And sometimes we did really good and we were up on the mountaintop. And sometimes we did awful and we were just, oh no, what's going to happen? We were freaking out, upset, worried, stressed out all throughout a period of about three years off and on where we went through these peaks and valleys. And it was tough. It was one of the toughest things I've ever experienced. So when we sang that song today, it might not have meant a whole lot to you, but I can tell you it means a whole lot to me because that was something that God used in my and my wife's life during that time. That, that was, that was kind of my jam. That was my song I would sing over and over again. And I would remind myself when it seemed like everything else was going wrong in my life, I would anchor myself and God, you're, you're not going to let go. And uh, through this calm, through this storm, Lord, you're still there. You're still faithful, Lord. And most importantly of all, God, I, I trust you through this instead of trusting in myself. And that was something I had to regularly remind myself of. And God used that song to help to do that during that time in my life. 
as we look at the faithfulness of God, we see that his faithfulness is described to us in his word. So we can know that God is faithful, not only because we have experienced his faithfulness, but because his word says he is faithful. And God is faithful to his word. He's going to do what he promised, what he said he was going to do. And that means that word faithful means to be steadfast in affection. Isn't that a cool definition? Steadfast in affection. In other words, he cares. Isn't it just mind-boggling that there are billions of people on this planet and somehow the God of all creation would be inclined to listen and pay attention to my request and what I would want to say to him. And not only does he pay attention, but he actually cares and responds and does things when I go before him and I ask and I pray. Does that not just blow your mind? I mean, I can't focus on my kids talking to me more than one at a time. But somehow God, simultaneously listening to all these requests and all these prayers, somehow cares. And not, I mean, it, it's, it's one thing to listen and another thing to care, right? And God not only listens, but he cares. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on our head. Why would anyone want to know such frivolous information? Why would that be important to anyone to know other than maybe we wanted to have some sort of, you know, seating according to numbers of hairs of head. We had like some sort of scanner. You walk in like 2,563 is over here and then zero, which is my club. We would be like, you know, <laughs> over here, where are my zero club at? I know you guys. Yeah, that's right. My zero club. But we just want God to know us really, really well. and We don't want to complicate things. But the thing is, is that when God cares about something like that, it shows us a part of his character that we need to understand, is that the things we think bother God or that he doesn't have time for or doesn't, isn't concerned with, he actually is. He actually does care. For him to know something like that, that finite, that, that unimportant, that what are you even going to do with that information? He's just saying, I know you, because he's holy and he's big. And he is, he is God, but he's also close. He's so close, he knows intimate things about us that no one else would ever know, and he cares. That's the beautiful thing, is he not only knows us, but he cares about us. And so we can see over and over in his word, he is steadfast in affection. You and I waver in our affections all the time. And most of our wavering in our affection is based off of whether we're getting our way or not or whether someone's doing what we want them to do. It's like, I like you when you're doing what I want you to do, but I don't kind of like you right now because you're not doing what I want you to do. We waver in that affection. We don't go, oh, I, just, I, I have so much affection for you and I love you so much right now because you're not doing anything I want you to do and I just have my heart's just so full for you and, and I just love you right now in this moment. No, we, we kind of, we flip-flop. We're, we're, we're so just, just wishy-washy with that stuff. But God, he's constant in his affection towards us. He cares about you right now as much as he's ever going to care about you. He's not going to care about you more or less based on your performance. He does not care about your eternity more or less right now. He is not loving you more or less than he does right now. It's not some sort of karma system where if I do a lot of things and all of a sudden God's going to go, oh, I like you a whole lot. You're, you're getting there. You're getting there. Keep on going. No, he loves you right now. That should just blow our minds. We can't understand that because of how fickle we may be in our frail flesh. But God is not like us in the way that he loves. He loves perfectly. 
He loves us with a love we can't understand, and He is faithful in a way that we can't understand. Revelation 19 and 11 says, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness He judges and make it, makes war. Isn't that interesting that out of all the words God could have used to describe himself, that he decides to say, I am faithful and true. You notice those words are capitalized there. The one who is sitting on the horse as the heaven opens and this, 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 uh, as he comes out on this horse, he wants people to know this thing about him, that he's faithful and true. The one who sits on this horse is faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war he wants us to know that he's faithful, that he's true, because that should lead us to a place to know something we all need to be reminded of regularly, and that is that he can be trusted, that God can be trusted because he is faithful. 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful. He will do it every single time. He is faithful because that's His nature. It's His character. It's who He is. A lot of people worry about where they, where they stand with God a lot of times when we may mess up or when we may have doubts in our lives or when we let fear creep in. We may wonder, oh no, did, did I just blow it? Is God now not going to want to have anything to do with me because I'm going through this difficult situation and I forgot to trust him through it? Listen, folks, God is bigger than all of your doubts and all of your fears. Your, listen to me, and I hope that this sets some people free today. Your doubts and fears do not make God nervous because he understands and he knows where we are. And he knows the source of those things. And, and he knows everything about us, every finite detail. Anytime you trust God, you're going to be tempted to doubt. And you're going to be tempted to be afraid. There's going to be times where you're just full of faith. Yes, God's going to bring me through this. And there's going to be times where you're like, is God even here or does he even care? There's going to be times where those thoughts will come across your head. And sometimes we think that when we have those doubts and those fears that all of a sudden God's just, he's done with us at that point. And God wants us to trust him through those storms, through those challenges. He wants, he, he's not pleased necessarily when we have doubts and he doesn't write rejoice like, oh, yay, they're doubting again. But he doesn't freak out about it either. He doesn't freak out about it when you have those thoughts of, oh, man, what's going to happen here? It's where do I come back to? Where do I run back to? Am I going to sit in that doubt and fear? And am I going to let that take hold of my mind and my heart? Because we all are going to waver from time to time. And we're all going to be tempted. There's going to be things we're going to be drawn to that we're going to put our security and our hope in. And God is saying, I don't want you to sit in that and dwell in that. No, but if I drift over there, where am I running back to? I should run back to the faithfulness of God and remind myself that he who promised that he is faithful. Scripture says that he is faithful to watch over his word to see that it's performed. He's going to make sure that the things he says he's going to do, he's going to do. If God said it, you can take it to the bank. And God is bigger than any of your doubts and fears. Your doubts and fears are not going to stop God from doing what he wants to do. Hello, somebody. 
And again, he doesn't rejoice in your doubts and fears. He wants you to come back to trusting in his faithfulness. But it doesn't mean that God is still not sovereign, that he's still not moving on our behalf, and that he doesn't understand that in our flesh there are challenges, and we want to trust ourselves, we want to trust our way, we want to exalt our thinking above his thinking, and we do this all the time. And yeah, it's sinful, and we need to confess that before, and we need to repent of that. And we say, Lord, forgive me, I, I was not trusting in you. But where am I coming back to at the end of the day? There were times when I lived in Texas and when our family was going through very difficult circumstances, not only with our daughter, um, our other daughter was sick and we, were had, we had a lot of financial challenges. I mean, it just seemed like this huge mountain that we thought there was no way out. Uh, There's no way over this thing, no way through this thing, no way around this thing. And there were times that I had some very dark thoughts. And man, I'll tell you, there were times where I couldn't, I didn't really want to pray. But I could sit there in the shower and all I could maybe mutter or say and get out was, God, I still trust you. God, I still trust you. Because I want to come back to that place of trust because he's good. He's good. And I was on my drive here to the church this morning. And I live in Kiel, so it takes me about 24 minutes or so to get to the church, um, depending on who's in front of me. Um, but... <laughs> As I was driving to the church this morning, I, I had to get here early for worship practice. And as I was driving, I was just thinking about a conversation that my wife and I had last night about how good God had been to us. We had hung out with some friends and we were kind of talking about, you know, how some of the things we had been able to do and how God had brought us through so much and how he was so faithful. And I was kind of replaying that conversation in my mind this morning as I was driving to the church by myself. And I began just talking to the Lord, thanking him thanking God for bringing us through so many things that when I was going through that thing, whatever it was, I really didn't see a clear way out. You know, you, you, anyone know what I'm talking about? Where you're just facing something and you're like, yeah, I, I don't know how this one's going to work out. But I began to replay in my head and I began to tell God just out loud. People might have been passing me thinking I was crazy this morning because I was just thanking God. I was in such a worshipful mindset and, and attitude of my heart, thanking him so much for what he had done and how he had been faithful throughout this situation and that situation. And then I began to remind myself of even situations since I've been the pastor at Word of Grace here a little over seven years where uh, God has even brought our church through different seasons where, man, there was hard things we had to go through as a church. And I began to think, wow, in the middle of that, I thought, oh no, God, I made this huge mistake. I made this big bad decision or I didn't catch this soon enough or I, I should have done this. All these different things. I began to remember feeling that way, thinking those thoughts and God has brought us through so many of those things where I'm like, God, you are so faithful. And at the time when I was going through that, it seemed so hard and so hopeless. But now that I'm on the other side of it and I can look back from the vantage point that I have now, you know what I said to the Lord this morning on the way to church as I look back at those challenges? I said, God, from where I'm sitting now and what I've learned about you now, those things were light and they were momentary. Those things were light. Doesn't mean they weren't hard. Doesn't mean they weren't difficult. Doesn't mean they weren't hopeless. But as I look back and I see how faithful God has been and how that wasn't the end of Derek or that wasn't the end of Word of Grace or that wasn't the end of my family, and I look back and I go, God, even though these things were so hard, I can see 
your faithfulness. I see your hand moving every one of these situations. And you know what, God? Those things were hard, and I wouldn't wish some of those things on my worst enemy, but they were light, and they were momentary in the perspective of seeing more and more as I get older how God looks through eternity, and he's trying to show me what really matters. These things that I thought were, my whole world was going to fall apart if this didn't work out. God, these things were light, and they were momentary, and they're still, you know, God will deliver me through the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. And I'll look back on my life the older I get, and I may see hardships, and I may see challenges, but those things don't define me. Those things don't create who I am. Instead, those things show me the faithfulness of God throughout my life as I put my hope and my trust in Him. As I trust him through those storms, as I trust him through those valleys, as I trust him through those difficult things, because God is good. He is bigger than our doubts and fears. Listen, anytime that you trust God, there is a tendency for us to be afraid. And stepping out in faith and trusting God challenges your flesh. Because we want, to we want to trust in ourselves so much. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The Apostle Paul was trying to help the church in Corinth out. He was giving them some very strong instructions. And the letter that he wrote to them that we know as 1 Corinthians was dealing with some corrective measures that he was taking. And he was wanting them to think correctly and understand how they needed to operate as a church because the things they were doing, some of them were, were out of order. Some of them were very fleshly, very uh, selfish. Some of them were not the value system of God. And he had heard about all these different issues. And he was like, I'm writing to bring these things back into order so that you guys can be a church that's honoring God and you can be the people of God that are honoring God. And he deals with these things individually and you can read through first corinthians see how he handles these different issues that the church in corinth was dealing with so by the time we get to chapter 10 he's dealing with the issue of sexual immorality and he's being very upfront and very clear because these people were in a culture where they worshiped this goddess diana and there was a lot of sexual things that happened in diana worship and a lot of these people were still involved in some of this sexual immorality and paul is like hey i've heard about this Here's what you need to do about this. Here's how people of God who are following Jesus Christ, who are new creations in Christ, this is how they're supposed to live. And it gives them a very strong understanding of how God looks at sexual immorality. And so that's kind of what he's talking about here in 1 Corinthians 10. And let's skip down to verse 12 and read that. He said, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, here's what Paul wants them to understand, and what I believe God wants us to understand today. Listen, there's going to be temptations. There's going to be things around you. And he's telling those people, listen, I know it's normal in your culture, but that doesn't make it okay. It's not one of these things where you're tempted and you're like, I was just in this situation and I couldn't help myself. Or the devil made me do it. Or everyone else is doing it and there hasn't been a problem with it until people started coming here and preaching Jesus. So I don't understand why there's a problem with it now. It's just part of our culture. And he said, no, no, no. 
this temptation that you keep falling into, he's like, it's not something that's outside of your ability to walk away from because God is faithful and he's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And he said, he's going to provide a way of escape for you. So there's always a way of escape. We just don't always want to take the way of escape when we're tempted. Hello, somebody. We don't always want to take that way out because sometimes that way out, it seems like, well, what's everyone going to think if I take this way out? I'll be exposed. They'll know. Or if I take this way out, well, then I'll be left out and ostracized because everyone else is going this direction. And we don't want the way out, but God says, I've made a way out for you. Why? Because I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I'm not going to put you in this situation where you just have to give in. God's not going to put you in a situation where you have no other option. He's saying you have an option here because this is not beyond your ability to bear because I'm never going to put you in a situation where you are forced to make this type of decision. He said, I'm faithful. And that's what Paul's saying. God is faithful. And he's not only going to not put you in a situation beyond what you can bear in when you're tempted, but he said, I'm also going to make a way out. Just will you take that way of escape? Because there's temptations, there's doubts, there's fears. They're going to come. But God is bigger than all of those things. Amen, somebody? He doesn't hate you when you doubt. He just wants you to return and remember his faithfulness and strengthen your faith and strengthen your trust in him. Just like Romans 10 and 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to be strengthened in our faith by hearing about God through the scripture, what scripture says about God, what the Bible says about God, not what philosophy says about God, not what your own lenses and your own experiences say about God, not what our tradition and our culture says about God, but what does the Bible say about God? Don't you think that's a lot more reliable? Let's go to the scripture and let God define God instead of us trying to look for God through other people's reasoning and their experiences. No, God, show me who you really are. That's the God I want to serve. And as I learn more about the real God, my faith should be strengthened. And when those challenges come, when those temptations come, when those trials come, when all that junk comes against me, he'll provide a way of escape. And he will walk with me through those dark times. And he won't let me be completely defeated because he is walking with me through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm not supposed to be afraid. It's not like I'm walking, going, oh, I wonder if God left me and this is going to be the thing that consumes me. No, even though I walk through those things, I can still have peace because God is faithful and I'm growing and trusting him as I'm growing in his word and learning more about him. Hebrews 10 and 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast to this confession. This, this confession of faith that we've made, putting our faith and our hope in Christ, as we have confessed Jesus as Lord, as we have said that he is the leader of our life, as we have surrendered our life to him, and as we have given him our lives and said, Lord, we are following you, he said, let us hold fast to that. Let us hold fast to the profession of the gospel in our lives. The gospel that says we need Jesus and we never stop needing him, regardless of how accomplished we may get in life or how disciplined we may be in certain areas of our life. We never outdiscipline our need for Jesus. We still need him every day. Amen, church? And as we say, Lord, we need you, we're reminding ourselves 
of the gospel. We're holding fast to the confession of our faith because he who promised is faithful. Go over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, let's look at verse 11 where Paul writes to young Timothy and he says this, verse 11 of 2 Timothy chapter 2, the saying is trustworthy, for if we died with him, we will also live with him, talking about Jesus. Verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Look at this here. Look at, look at what's happening as you see these trade-offs that are kind of taking place in this scripture. If we died with him, we'll live with him. Wow, isn't that awesome? We died with him. We share in that death. We also share in that life. It's us being identified with Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. It's now we have become sons and daughters of God through the sacrifice of Christ. We, we, we have died with him, and therefore we also live with him. And then if we endure, then we're also going to reign with him. And if we deny him, here comes the warning, then he's also going to deny us. So there's a trade-off as we see what's happening, as, as we walk through this progression. But then at the end here in this text, he says, but if we're faithless, that doesn't change God because he's faithful. Why? He can't deny himself. So in other words, your faithfulness or faithlessness does not change this attribute of God. He is going to be faithful because it is who he is. Amen, church? And we need to thank God for that and hold on to scriptures like this when we begin to go through difficult times and remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God. We need to remember the faithfulness of God. We need to, we need to remind ourselves of who God has told us and said that he is in his word. In Psalm, in the first Psalm, we see that uh, the psalmist writes that the one that meditates on the law, who thinks on these attributes of God, who thinks on the character of God over and over again, in his mind, meditates on that, that he's going to be like a tree that is planted by a river and that his fruit is never going to, 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 to be uh, uh, something that, that's lacking desire, but it's going to be a tree that's bearing fruit that it's not going to wither and that it's not going to dry up, but he's going to bear fruit in its season. His leaf isn't going to wither. We see that he's connected to the source of life. He's connected to this water, this life-giving water. Just as you and I, as followers of Jesus, are to be connected in the word of God, we will be like that tree that is growing, that's healthy. I guarantee you, any time that you go through a difficult situation, if you run to the word of God, you will be uh, that person that's like that tree. And if you don't run to the word of God and you run to everything else, you're not going to be as fruitful in your life because you're running to another source, and it's not that steady stream of life-giving, uh, uh, that life-giving source that God gives us. And so, as we see here in Scripture, we need to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness during our current trials and temptations, and we need to resolve in our heart to persevere, to trust Him more, because His faithfulness, church, His faithfulness should cause us to rest. And we need to give up control and we must give up trying to change people or situations in our own strength. A lot of us try to do this. 
We try to make others do what we want them to do. We want them to react and respond the way we want them to react and respond. And we'll try all sorts of different tactics to get people to respond. And, and that's called manipulation, where we're trying to control other people. And we're trying to either put them down or lift ourselves up. Or we're trying to uh, belittle other people in order to try to get about a, a certain result. Or we'll try to wear a mask to make people think we're something that we're really not. So that we can perhaps have them convinced and we can get what we're really after and what we really want from other people. But listen, you can manipulate someone to compliance but compliance is not heart change. You can, you can get somebody to comply. You can get somebody to stand in line. But just because they're standing in line doesn't mean they want to stand in that line. Just because someone is standing up straight and looking just, you know, squaring their shoulders back, someone's doing everything you want them to do, it doesn't mean their heart has changed. Just because they can play the part, because they may just be doing it because they're afraid of what will happen if they don't. They're afraid of what maybe you'll do if they don't comply. So behavior modification doesn't work because we start with that behavior and we try to change that person from the outside in, and that's not true change. And here's the crazy part. You can't change a heart. I can't change a heart. But we know a God who can. Amen? God can change hearts. He is in the heart-changing business. That's what he does. He does what we cannot do. And a lot of times when I pray for people, especially in situations where someone will put in a prayer request or ask me to pray for them about a marriage or, or some sort of situation that may be really difficult where they're dealing with a, a family member or, or a child, I just have to submit myself to God and say, Lord, I pray you do what only you can do in that person's heart. Because I can't do it. And, and, and I don't know if maybe you'll send someone by their path to, to, to speak into their life. Or maybe you'll send someone to mentor them or to invest in them. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't want to try to dictate the method in which God uses. But Lord, only you can change the heart. Only you can open those eyes. I can't do that. I'm not that sharp. And I'm not that smart. And I'm not that skilled. That's not my arena. That's what God does. He's the one that changes the heart. And so we shouldn't spend our time trying to manipulate others into our control, even if we're trying to manipulate them to do things that are seemingly good. We don't want to get people to just conform. We don't want to get people just to recite just for the sake of reciting. No, is this in your heart, not just compliance? There is no rest for the person who's trying to control other people. There is no rest for the person who's trying to control situations. There's no rest. If that's you, you are miserable. You are miserable if you are trying to control other people and you're trying to control other situations. And you lay awake at night worrying, wondering how you're going to get this situation back under control. How do I know that? Because I have been that person. I have been that person. I'll raise my hand with the rest of everybody else. Because I've been the person trying to control others to do what I wanted them to do, when I wanted them to do it, how I wanted them to do it. And the more I try to control, the more miserable I become. And the less I begin to appreciate the uniqueness and the giftedness of other people because I want it my way right now. It's like Burger King's old motto, you can have it your way. That's the motto of a lot of our lives. We want it all our way. 
And people just don't work that way, do they? We want them to, and it's not fair, but other people aren't going to do what we want them to do when we want them to do it. And we got no rest, man. We have no rest at all if that's our goal and that's our aim. We're going to be exhausted. We're going to be frustrated. And then we're going to throw our hands up in the air and go, oh, well, I've tried everything. Yes, you have. You've tried everything to get other people to comply and do what you want them to do, and it didn't work. And so what are you going to do now, big boy? You're going to have to throw your hands up in the air, and you can either go, I quit, or I give it to you, Lord, which is where you should have started. It's almost like we have to go through the song and dance of running out of options before we'll actually trust God. It's kind of like we've done everything, and we go, well, I guess we could pray. Instead of running there first, it's like we run there last after everything else didn't work. We tried all the counseling, we tried all the this, we tried all the that, we read this book, read that book, went to this conference, did that thing, went to this pastor, went to this person, and then, well, I don't know what else to do, I guess just pray. Okay, finally, I bet God says sometimes. Finally, you're putting your trust and your hope where it should have been all the while. There's nothing wrong with those things, nothing wrong with pursuing knowledge and things like that, but those things still aren't your answer. Your answer is in God and God alone. Amen, somebody? And I want you to be able to find rest. My hope and my prayer through this message today about the faithfulness of God is that some people that have been toiling will be able to find some rest today. Because only God can bring about heart change in us and in others. And a lot of times, oh man, you're not going to like this. A lot of times... When we're out there busy trying to get everybody else to comply, it's God trying to get at our hearts to change us. Like we're trying to change everybody else and we're trying to make everybody else comply and God's like, hello, hello. And we're veering off and we don't even see that we're veering off because we never considered this message might have been for us today. We're just thinking about the people who aren't here or who we're going to send this email link to of this message who need to hear it. That's, that's who, man, they should have been here. What about you? You know what? They're not here. You are. So what are you going to do with the information that you're now being held responsible for that God has so graciously and sovereignly chosen to give you? What are you going to do with that information? Are you going to think about someone else? Or are you going to go, God, what are you trying to do in me? Because God wants us to grow in this journey of sanctification and Christ-likeness, and it is going to take a shedding of self and a dying to self daily. And the Christian who is pursuing God should be going through season after season after season of repentance. And I don't mean saying, I'm sorry, God, but I'm talking about seasons of turning away from things we need to walk away from and turning our attention towards him. Saying, Lord, I used to think this way, I used to value this. And that's, man, that's one of the ways you know you're a Christian. It's one of the ways you know that you're truly someone who has been saved is that you're, you're turning away and you're repenting. It's, it should be part of our, our journey, becoming more and more Christ-like as we repent. As he shows us things, we repent. He shows us things, we repent. It's good for you. It's good for me. Instead of focusing on everyone else, maybe God's wanting us 
to look inside because maybe he's trying to change your heart today. But don't bail out on a situation or on someone else just because it's not going your way. Don't just give up after the bad diagnosis. Don't just give up after the big argument, after failing again and again. No, no, no. Don't just throw your hands up in the air and quit. Instead, throw your hands up in the air and surrender and say, Lord, I, I, I trust you. There were times that's all I could say. When I was, I was going through some of the darkest things I've ever been through in my life, that's all I could say. And, and I'm so grateful that I get to be in a position where I can look back. And I'm sure there's, there's plenty of trials and, and struggles ahead, but the ones that are behind me, I can look and I can say, God, you were faithful, man, every step of the way. And you are so good, and I don't deserve any of it. I don't deserve any of it. I don't, I, but you have shown your faithfulness, your goodness, and, and I am blown away. Man, I was just, just blown away at the goodness of God. Have you ever thought about that you, you, could, you could be born literally in any country in the world you could be living anywhere right now, but God wanted you living here. Why are we even complaining about snow? What's that all about? You're alive, man. You, you live in a country where you're free to worship God. Who cares the, what the temperature is? Thank you, God, because sometimes we get so stinking negative that, that we miss all the good around us. We miss all the good around us. Yeah, you might, yeah, oh, I had to work. The boss kept me over, you know, another hour. So what? You have a job. You ever stopped and thanked God for that? I, I mean, we complain so much. Oh, that food at that restaurant, oh, that service was slow. You went to a place where someone else cooked you food and brought it to you. <laughs> Think about that for a second. And then you had money to pay them for it. And your cheap self didn't even want to leave a tip because <laughs> you didn't get your way. Think about how blessed we are and how, how, how God has put us in this position for a reason. And it's not just to be able to gratify our flesh, but it's to glorify Him. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and then we're going to do something. All right? To wrap up this real God series, when I'm done reading these scriptures, we're going to play this song. It's called God is Bigger. And I don't know what God is leading you to do or what is on your heart to do. Maybe some of you want to stand and worship. Maybe some of you need to write some things down that God's speaking in your heart. Maybe some of you need to come and make an altar. I know even in the first service, we had quite a few people just come up and they just wanted to kneel. There was some, you know, I don't know if you want to stand and worship, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to turn down the lights a little bit when we play this video because I don't want you to be concerned about the person to your right or your left because I want you to do business with God. And maybe you're here in this place and you, you've, been, you've been seeking after answers and you didn't realize that Jesus was your answer until today in this service and maybe if you realize that today, or maybe you may be watching online in your living room and you may realize today that Jesus is your answer and you need to turn to him and give him your life. Saying, Jesus, I want to confess you as my Lord, my Savior. I, I, I need you. And God maybe is opening your eyes at this very moment.
and awakening your heart to the reality of your need for him. Maybe you've been trusting in other things and you need to repent. I don't know what you need to do. Stand, sit, kneel. I, I don't know. But I, we're going to take some time to really think over this message of what God has done. And I want the Holy Spirit to lead you to do whatever it is you want to do. But I want you to know you're in a safe place. You have freedom here. I want you to know that we're not here judging you, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. Uh, we're not here to criticize you. Uh, we're here to love each other. We're for each other. And so because we're for each other, I want you to feel the freedom that you need to be able to make an altar in your seat or to be able to come up to the front. I don't know what you need to do. But I want to read these scriptures. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. But God knows and you know. And whatever he speaks to your heart that you need to do, let, we're going to take a few minutes as that video plays. And we're just going to do those things. Allow the Lord to do the heart work in us. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your prayers be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now I want to read Matthew chapter 11, and I hope this sets you free today. Matthew 11 and verse 28, this is Jesus speaking here. Here's what he says. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Remind yourself today of his faithfulness and rest.